if something else comes up like this did overnight for us that causes me to have to turn again or pivot or shift or whatever, then I'll do it at that point. But, but I don't want to kind of turn my own anxiousness or anxiety up prematurely before my emotions have been given a chance to just live in the present and live in that anticipatory hope of the future that I still want to call my own. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kybert, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. Jennifer Zucconi, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you on Muscle Medicine Podcast. You are a functional dietitian and you have a very, very unique niche that I think is so important for every single woman who is interested in getting pregnant. Such a wealth of information of stuff that they need to know as it relates to their thyroid. So welcome to Muscle Medicine Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and see you and talk to you and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So you see women who have hypothyroidism, Mm -hmm. which there's so many thyroid conditions and just to focus on hypo is a unique niche into itself. And then not only just women with hypothyroidism, which can often get diagnosed, you know, a little bit later in life, like 40 to 60, but you see women who are trying to get pregnant or struggling to get pregnant. And you mentioned something earlier that I thought was really interesting, which was that it's really like, it's not just the woman, right? It's the couple, the partner together. Can you just share a little bit of how you got on that journey? Because I know it's probably very close and near and dear to your own, (laughs) your heart and personal experience. Absolutely. It is indeed. Um, Yes, I work with women, um, but that definitely expands to, as I tell everyone as I start working with them, this is not just about you. This is about you, plural. Um, This is about you and your spouse, your partner. This is a journey that you're both on because I think as women, we carry so much of that I don't want to call it a burden, but the responsibility, let's call it, of pregnancy. And when it doesn't work, quote unquote, air quotes here, we have that weight put on us. Oh, it's my fault. Oh, something's not working. And I say, first of all, I am talking to you, plural, because yes, it is very much a couple's journey. If we're talking infertility or or struggling to conceive and whatnot, it's not just the woman's problem. It's the couple's problem. And so we do. We work together together. Not everything is let's meet collectively, but but it's certainly something that I address male factors. We address female factors as well. But yes, going back to kind of how I, I got into this, it is a very unique niche. And as with many of us in the health world, however this happens, is it was my journey as well, uh, but I never knew it. And that's what I find too in this, that when I say I work with women who have hypothyroidism, who are struggling to conceive, so many of those women don't yet know that's their problem. 
And it goes in so many people, in, in, in women here, I'm talking women specifically now, it goes so undetected for so long that we're looking at all of these kind of reproductive problems, ovarian reserve, egg quality, egg quantity, the structure of, of everything. And when that's all okay, yet things are still, again, quote unquote, unexplained, that just to me means we haven't found the answer yet. We're not ready to explore sensational measures or treatments. Let's, let's keep digging to the root of what's causing some of these hormone imbalances, what's causing low egg quality, what's causing fill in the blank, um, because there's always going to be some kind of cause that we can hopefully address. And if not remedy fully, at least make better if we are going to move forward with, with other treatments. Briefly, my journey, gosh, we could do a whole hour on just that alone, but just in brief, mine started really way back when I first started cycling. And that came a little late for me. I didn't really think anything of it. It was just, oh, it's just how I am. I was very active as a teen. So I was kind of, oh, well. And then once it started, it stopped. Again, didn't think anything of that because when I first got into as a teenager, I'm not tracking my cycle. I'm not looking at things. It was just like, hey, this is, I don't have to worry about this. Oh, well. And then when questions came up at a, at a doctor's appointment, it was like, oh yeah, I haven't had a period in months or what, I don't even remember what it was. You know, these red alarm bells went off. And anyway, really long story short, again, I ended up having, um, when I was a freshman in college, ended up having a procedure, laparoscope, uh, laparoscopy to remove abdominal adhesions. It was never diagnosed as technically endometriosis, but later on probably was, was all the issue there. Had a continued bout with, with amenorrhea, won't even go down the road of, of using the pill to correct that. But at any rate, ended up being diagnosed with postpartum hypothyroidism after my second child. And my first two, I did use oral medications to get pregnant, and it took many rounds of that. My thyroid was never ever looked at. And at this point, I was working in a hospital with physicians with and around physicians. And I was going to some pretty great people. But one thing that was never looked at was my thyroid. After my second pregnancy, I was upon a physical exam by my physician. He was like, oh, this, this feels a little enlarged. Let's take a look. And anyway, watch and wait, watch and wait. Again, I'm making a longer story, shorter story, longer, but ended up even having the right side of my thyroid taken out. And again, looking back, if I knew what I knew now, I think my story could have been so different. I think my attempts to conceive my husband and I, I think that would have been a very different journey. I think it would have saved a lot of, not just time, but emotion. I know I probably could have prevented surgery. I'm on medication now, and obviously that will be for life because of where my levels kind of ended up finding and resetting themselves. And I just need medication now. Not that that's a bad thing, but I just think my story could have been really different. And if I can at all help women get to that resolution, or at least uncover that early on, wow, what a different journey that can be. Not only how you feel, but again, the time it takes, the, the joy you have um, in your journey, because um, there's a lot of, of joy that, that kind of gets zapped. Because you do, you think you're broken. You think something's just not working inside you. And when you realize, as I tell them, there's just something that needs a little special kind of love and, and we just need to treat it in a different way. And 
as we begin to to heal that and and bring about that natural healing as I use things like food as medicine type interventions, lifestyle, nutrition, kind of this broad spectrum, look at your whole self, there can be a lot of change. And I just, I wish I had that when I was trying to, going through this journey on my own. Yeah. For women who feel like they're doing all the things, right? Like maybe they're taking a prenatal, they're exercising and, you know, maybe the right way of what they perceive is right. And they just feel like they're doing all the things and Mm -hmm. they're not, you know, month after month. uh, I've heard so many women be like, I was so disappointed. Mm -hmm. I got my Mm -hmm. period. Where do you recommend that they start on this journey of food as medicine and looking at conception as kind of a more holistic approach? Definitely looking beyond what I would still call this, you know, six inch circle that we kind of cut out in, you know, in, in space um, at our reproductive system. Uh, you are so much more than that. And to step back, um, to look at this whole body sense of yourself, first of all, to say, I am, you know, I am more than this. I am more than just these couple hormones. Where are these kind of dominoes behind those that end up falling and affecting these? So beginning to look at if we haven't, and, and this is one thing that I'm beginning to do with a lot of my clients, is that if they haven't had these certain labs done prior to taking on this kind of journey, is that we need to look at these first. Things like a full thyroid panel, including the antibodies, including all these numbers that don't get looked at because they are thought to have not really a big influence. Well, they don't have an influence because it takes them about you know, eight to 10 years to affect all the numbers we are looking at. Um, so if we're waiting that long and waiting for, for kind of these highlighted numbers, you know, TSH, maybe even T4 to seem out of range, well, there could be something going on behind the scenes for years and years without knowing. So looking at things like a full thyroid panel, looking at even some nutritional numbers, things like vitamin D status, there's two things that every cell in your body uses. One is thyroid hormone, the other is vitamin D. And if both of those are deficient, every single cell in your body is suffering. You might not necessarily feel it, or you may, um, from, from these things that we begin to call normal, kind of like the frog in the pot of water. We don't realize how abnormal we are until we're cooked, right? So looking at these numbers early when there is not a problem so we can say, yeah, we can rule this out. It's not an issue. Even other autoimmune, and you know, the antibodies with the thyroid numbers are going to touch on that autoimmune component, um, which is a huge issue in pregnancy or in trying to conceive. Even things like celiac disease, looking at, at some other just, just kind of nutritional markers, iron status. I look at omega-3, omega-6, just to see where we're at with, with those and how is that profile homocysteine to look at that brings in even something like how are you using folate? If we step even back to like an MTHFR kind of genetic variant profile, looking at that to say, well, yeah, that vitamin you're taking, it's not doing anything for you. And your body thinks there's no, no folate there for all of that DNA replication that it needs exponentially early in a pregnancy for that tissue repair, for those, that new growth that are so vital to those first days, weeks, and and couple months into pregnancy, that sometimes even things like that can be cause for 
premature miscarriage, uh, repeatedly so. So taking a look at that, one blood draw, all of these happen in one blood draw. And again, if it's only to, to say, hey, these really aren't the problem or these aren't a contributing factor, awesome. Let's keep doing more and let's look at, you know, and then we go into diet um, in terms of, you know, nutritional nourishment. Um, I work at physical nourishment. Um, I know you're the queen of that um, in terms of how our bodies some exercise doesn't work for, for other people. I know my limits and I don't go there. And knowing where your body kind of get that set point for you. So those labs are a big thing that I like to start with, again, just to foundationally answer a lot of those questions. That can be for so many people. I know they were for me because I got those done way, 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 way later after all was said and done. And I went, oh my gosh, this could have been the quote problem all along. And if we can answer those early, such peace of mind comes with that um, moving forward. Yeah. Um, Yeah. For women who have gotten the lab work Mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, so where do I start now? Mm Because I think it's so important to create a baseline. Mm -hmm. And from a physical kind of preparation for the physical body, I'm like, if you're thinking about getting pregnant, Mm Start preparing like nine to 12 months before, like train for birth. And I think nutritionally, it's probably very similar, right? Like if you're growing a human being, you want to have everything optimized, right? And that's not going to happen in a month or in six weeks. It takes time and it takes, uh, I don't know, maybe even like I know for me, it took me like... 18 months, maybe longer mm-hmm. to like get my vitamin D levels up to like what is normal, not even right. like optimal. Right? right. So I'm wondering once women get their blood work done, mm-hmm. then what do you start to tweak? Right. Cause I know there's so much nutrition information out there. It can feel confusing. Mm-hmm. Then you add supplements on top of that. And it's like, well, what supplements do I take? So I'm just curious, once someone gets that baseline blood work, mm-hmm. where do you start? Cause you did mention like food as medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. First of all, if there are, you know, caution flags, red flags there, obviously we're going to be lined to those. If there is an issue with celiac or gluten intolerance, we're going to pull that. Anything the body sees as an invader and it's going to set off that inflammatory response. When it's something like food, food can't be killed. So those inflammatory mediators keep going and going until it attacks something else. Well, that something is someone and that's you. So anytime there's this heightened inflammatory response, any kind of new foreign body being a new embryo is also going to be seen as, oh my goodness, we can't take care of this right now because we're trying to take care of this other person that we live in and we're doing hard. We can't barely even do that. So say no to this new life. So if there's red flags that we see in the labs, obviously we're going to address those. If everything comes back, you know, hey, th- these look great, but we still have some hangups. Let's, um, let's go deeper. And when I look at a person, I kind of have this flower that I work with, if you will. And the inside of the flower, if you can imagine kind of like a simple daisy, right? You've got the middle of the flower and that's what I see as nourishment, all right? And then each of the petals, one would be nutritional nourishment, one would be physical nourishment, One is relational nourishment, a mental little petal, emotional nourishment, and then a spiritual nourishment. How are we nourishing ourselves, our bodies in each of those ways? 
And, and that's where I really bring that kind of food as medicine lifestyle into it. It's not just what I'm going to put on your plate and hand to you to say, here's your perfect food. Here's your perfect plate. You're going to be healthy now. If we're not moving our bodies or if our relationships are in turmoil and, and causing all kinds of stress, and, and we know what that does to hormones, a great plate is not going to do anything for you. So we work to, to kind of optimize and, and address all of these factors to really nourish your body in this whole holistic, if we want to call it, looking at the whole self sense. In terms of food, to me, as real as it can be from where it was at the beginning, and, and if you can recognize it in its growing state, all the better. The further it's removed from what that food looked like as it was growing or living or whatever it is, the more our body is going to say, what is this also, right? If we have to look at it and go, hmm, I'm, I'm not quite sure what's in here, but it tastes good, our body's probably going to do the same thing. So as, as much as we can get to that real food, whole food nourishment and intake, the better. I'm not one to say, okay, anybody who works with me has to exclude this food and that food. And we get down to this crazy, you know, small little list of things. Again, if we identify something that's, that's not, that your body is seeing as a toxin, yeah, we're getting that out of there for a while. If we do some food sensitivity testing, which I do as well, we'll look at those and say, okay, these are the things right now that need to come out. But as a broad spectrum, I don't really tell anyone, oh, just if we don't do anything, you, you still have to get this out of your diet. Unless from what you tell me and, and I'm making some connections, we can really see, boy, I, I really think that this could be a factor. And you're right in the timeline. Our eggs as women, you know, take an average of three months to, to develop and mature as they kind of stand in this, this waiting line to be each of them released. So anything we can do in this time of preparation, it's not just we decide today, oh, I, you know, I think I'll try to get pregnant today. And, and we, ch- we start to change everything about it and expect our bodies to just kind of change overnight. A really robust prenatal with the right forms, with the right amounts of, of these vitamins and minerals is essential months before you want to start conceiving or months if, before you even really plan it. If you If you are in that age of, yeah, this is in my future. I don't know exactly when. Why not? It's just kind of a good supplement. That's what it is, a supplement, right? It's not taking the place of anything. It's supplementing, like I mentioned, real food nourishment that you, you give your body and your partner as well. I mean, antioxidants are great to, especially for the men, for, for sperm um, health and uh, mortality and, and all of these things to keep those whole foods in, you know, and, and even a multi for him again, in the right forms, in the right potency, is really beneficial as well. I've made an observation and I'm curious if you've had a similar observation. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed the women that I've seen in the clinic who do have difficulty conceiving, there's two common tendencies that I've noticed. One is that they are vegan, vegetarian, mm-hmm maybe plant-based, but supplementing with like pro- like beyond meat processed, mm-hmm. <laughs> processed foods. Mm-hmm. And two, that they are overtraining. Mm-hmm. Like they're doing 90 minutes of working out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm curious what you've seen, because you, you know, I see a handful of this population, but this is your entire population. I'm curious mm-hmm. your thoughts. 
Yeah, those are some great points. Uh, <laughs> um, on your your first point, um, in terms of um, kind of that really uh, uh, more vegan type um, end of the dial, um, you know, I'm just going to throw out full truth here and in full honesty. Um, I'm I'm not a big fan of that. Um, for a lot of people, unless you are extremely diligent and extremely knowledgeable. And, and I've done a, a number of courses on, in some of my credential training on the vegetarian kind of vegan lifestyle and what you really have to include and on a regular basis to get all that your body needs. And it is extremely difficult. It's not just one who could say, oh, I just, you know, eat salads all the time and beans and, and such. It's, it's much more strategic than that. The reason I say I'm not a fan is for most of the population, it's just not sustainable to provide all of the nutrients we need, especially if we're talking about conception, because so many of those B vitamins are out of that. Things like zinc, things like iron, those things are just not in the right proportions and in the right quantities to really tell the body, I have enough. And so like with anything that I would say with vegetables, I had this, in fact, discussion with a a woman this week who was asking me about, she was trying to cut back on a lot of red meat, eat more vegetables. And I say, well, that's fine. But but when you do have the red meat, just as if I was going to say the vegetables you have, I don't want you to just get vegetables that were grown in any kind of condition and sprayed with any kind of something and in soil that was so deplete of nutrients that it was basically just you're you're eating crunchy water and, and there's nothing there, right? Same with the meat. We want to source the highest quality we can in terms of how it was raised, in terms of what it was fed, how it was treated, and all of these things. And that changes the quality of food, whether it's a vegetable that's grown in the right conditions or if it was a, an animal that was raised in, in a humane and way that, and fed the way it should be fed. We just want to choose those foods properly and with real discernment. When it comes to the meat, substitutes and things like that, they're really just not, they're just not food. (laughs) I mean, I'm just going to be blunt about it. I don't know how else to say it. What they contain are usually so far removed from, if it was a soy-based or a plant-based something, they're so far removed from what that real food was. Um, It's just really hard for the body to utilize it. It's been put through processes that either have to add chemicals to it to get it to that state or Again, it's just not not the best. If you are, and, and here's what I'll say too, if you're vegan or vegetarian for reasons just beyond this is what I want to do, and it's really the lifestyle, you, you just have a passion about living and or there are religious or faith beliefs that lead you to that, work with someone, work with a practitioner who is skilled in providing recommendations, guidelines, the proper supplements that you need to help you sustain yourself and a potential life within you. I would never say, oh, you can't be vegan, but you need to be working with somebody who is really skilled and just making sure that, that they see what you're doing has all that it needs to have. Exercise, going to, to that second part, huge, huge, especially for those who have already um, diagnosed thyroid problems. Sometimes at the beginning of things, I was working with someone one time and she, uh, well, still am, um, but she was doing CrossFit, Orange Theory kind of training, high intensity, like four days a week. 
And we just had to dial that back. Um, hormonally, she was just kind of all over the board. And, and again, it comes back to this message that your body, your body has one job and that's to keep you alive and that's to, to keep you safe. And your hormones are kind of the messengers, the main messengers that do that. And so when there's anything really out of whack, especially to one extreme or the other, and exercise is a stress, it's a huge stress to our bodies at a cellular level. It's a good stress when we do it correctly and with the right amounts because it stresses us just enough for our body have to, to have to work back and say, okay, yeah, I need to build a little more muscle. She needs this. But when we overstress it, those hormones, especially our thyroid, kind of that master gland or watch eye or watch, watch guard um, uh, in the body says, hey, you know what? Too much is going on right now. I've got to kind of tone this metabolism down because she's burning all this stuff without me. So if I burn more, that's going to put her you know, to an extreme that we don't want to go to because we don't know how long this is going to last. And oh, by the way, reproductive hormones little too much stress going on here right now. Let's turn you down too, because again, not a safe environment out here and not one that we would want to try to sustain another life in. So let's just kind of turn the dial down on that one right now too. So over-exercising can be huge, especially if there's a, an already diagnosed and foreseen thyroid issue going on um, because those two are so closely related Sometimes just toning that back to say, okay, let's, let's do, you know, maybe that it, if that level of intensity is just really what you need, let's dial it back to a number of days or a number of minutes a time. Let's throw in some other things, just like some walking, modest strength training. Let's keep those muscles moving. It's not like a switch on or off. Um, it's not an all or nothing. It's, it's, let's find that, that kind of gentle spot for you right now. And once we get everything going again, we'll see where that threshold can Go, can go up to. Um, we'll kind of raise that bar, no pun intended again, um, to see where that can be at a safe level for you to allow all these hormones to say, you know what? Yeah, she's safe. We're good. Let's let everything kind of kick back up. Yeah. I'm curious your thoughts on like, why does maybe traditional or allopathic medicine not think about food mm -hmm. or not test more than TSH, right? Because I think there's there's like these kind of medical protocol timelines of, okay, so you've not been able to conceive and you've been trying for this many months. Okay. The next step is this. Yeah. And then the next step is IVF. And then the next step when um, there's steps beforehand that could be taken to optimize hormones, optimize thyroid function, adrenal function. I'm curious, you know, your thoughts. I mean, I know allopathic doctors, their tools are medication, surgery. That's, that's what they've been taught. And I know there's mm -hmm. not a lot of nutrition education in medical school, but I feel like, you know, using food as medicine, creating a baseline with really getting a more complete blood work profile could be such an empowering tool, especially for women who feel so disempowered in the process. Yeah, that's a great question. And I wish I had the simple answer to that. The short answer is, I don't know. I don't know why food is not first. It's so simple. It's what we do three times a day on average or more. And there is such power in food and harm in food when we look at it from both of those ends. And there's not a lot of training. And I think part of it is they do see in 
again, not to dismiss doctors and, and what they do. It's, they're yeah. so powerful in, in the knowledge that they have and the tools that they have and the, the, the treatment options that they have. But you're right. It's just not kind of on their radar. It's just seen as a food doesn't matter. I'm working with somebody right now who I found out um, through some testing um, that she, excuse me, this is a he actually, um, has a genetic predisposition for celiac disease. So we had to, to get out the gluten and all these things. And he had a couple, I won't go into it now, but, but had a couple issues going on that actually began to reverse themselves. And even he was like, well, I, I don't think, you know, I don't really think there's a correlation, but I'll ask my doctor and, you know, see what he thinks. And I said, okay, just, just heads up. If he says probably not a correlation, you know, I, I don't want you to keep, you know, talking out of two sides of our mouth here, but, but there is such power in food. And, and one thing I've done to, um, in a resource I'm creating right now, I'm hoping to have it kind of putting the final touches on it right at, as we speak is empowering women. And again, women, couples, with not just here's some labs to get looked at or, or here's some things, but the why behind it. Because I want them to be an advocate for themselves. And I want them to even, if they are told, no, that doesn't matter, or no, that's not going to affect this or going to play in, I want them to know some of the truthful whys behind why it could be, it could matter. Why, and if we're talking about food, what harm is there in saying, well, let's avoid this for you know a couple months or three months or something and see what happens. It's not a medication. It's not a, a costly intervention in terms of, of other things that are out there. It's literally just kind of changing the face of what's on our plate. So as I work with clients, I don't want to be in this position of just, I'm going to sit here and tell you what to do and you go do it. It's, I want to give you the why behind this matters. I want to tell you what it's done for me personally. I live what I teach and how I coach. That's the way I've learned my body works well. And I would never ask somebody else to do something that I didn't think was, was beneficial or I hadn't done myself because I have felt the power of it in my own life, in my family's life. I've seen things changed, reversed. The power literally at the end of our fork is very present and, and very real. So I guess that's how I would say it. I, I really want to give them a truth of the why behind it all so that if they're told something else, they kind of have a, a default to go back to, to understand a different story. During, because we're recording this during COVID-19 pandemic, oh, yes. what has shifted in the women that you've worked with or the couples that you worked with? Yeah. Because I'm sure there's so much fear because there's so much unknown. So much, so much. I think the biggest thing that has shifted is uh, for those who were in the middle of planning for how it had on the calendar in whatever kind of time frame um, treatments um, in terms of you know assistive treatments, um, whether it be IVF, um, IUI, things that required you know a, a clinical visit and, and procedure to be done, and those were halted, and they feel like they've lost time. Their their 2020 baby is now not going to be here. So the emotional side of just saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that this pain is exponentially felt for you 
because of all these plans you went into, I mean, all of us, right? 2020, it's going to be the year of this, the year of that, right? Oh my gosh. I mean, did we ever really think we'd see those numbers on a calendar? It seems like, you know, like still a sci-fi movie or something, but right, this was going to be their year. And now it's not to no power of their own that they could have changed. And, And first starting with that to say, listen, tell me your emotions. Don't try to stuff these down. Don't go, oh, it'll be okay. Don't say, oh, I shouldn't feel this way. You know what? Feel any way you want right now. Acknowledge that. Feel that. Let it be. And we work through that. Don't, let's not let it control every next step we take. But for that moment, for that season, be okay with feeling angry, with feeling like time was stolen, like time was taken Whatever that feels like to you, it's okay to feel. No, we can't go through these treatments right now. No, we can't just break in and and have a, a procedure done when all of these places are closed. But let's focus now on, okay, we've reset. We've gotten this kind of emotional reset going on. Now let's say, okay, what can we do? What can we do right now? Well, we've got some time. We've got some time to nourish the heck out of ourselves. We've got some time to really focus on some stress reduction. Again, there's a whole nother thing with, with the infertility world. Oh, just, just your stress, just, just relax, right? Probably one of the hardest and worst things you could say to somebody, but, but for real, at the end of the day, I say stress, that's such a general term. Everything from too much exercise to not eating enough, to eating the wrong things, to gut infections, to all of these internal stressors that we might not be able to see and feel on a normal day, but we can begin to say, okay, maybe we can look into some of that. Let's see if there's any hidden infections going on, or let's just kind of do a reset with our body right now of you're cooking at home more. Let's, let's really focus on what are some simple ways we can just look at a protein and and some vegetables and, and call that dinner. Let's simplify life a little bit for those things we can, you know, if the doors of the gym are closed, you know what? Let's maximize on not having to work out so much. Let's enjoy the outdoors, the the walks, the dials down exercise that we wanted to maybe give ourselves permission for before, but we never did. Well, now's your permission slip, right? We've got this permission slip that's handed to us to say, you don't have to do this right now. And really just taking some time to, to breathe. The fear of, of what is this, you know, I was talking um, to someone this week too, who has actually been diagnosed with COVID. She's recovered from it now, still dealing with a couple like random things. She was like, I don't know if this is related or not, but anyway, it's, it's like, there. Like brain fog? Um, <laughs> heard that. Yeah, yeah. Some of that, um, a little bit more fatigue than normal. And again, we're, you know, we're creating history. We're writing history as we speak with all of this. We don't know exactly how it's affecting all of this and what the long-term ramifications are going to be for whether we're talking about fertility or just life in general. So we're learning all of this as we go. And there's a lot of fear with that. She even told me, you know, while we were talking, should I be scared to even try this anymore? Should I be scared to know what, what has happened to my body that, could now affect my baby. And my answer to that is, you know, we don't have all those answers yet. We, we just don't. So is there any harm in continuing to strengthen you from an, down to an immunological state? No. Is there any harm in continuing, like I've said, to nourish this whole body approach that we have to you and your spouse and your family and everything? 
No, let's just keep doing what we can until we know more about what we don't yet know. So as I've told couples, continue to plan, continue to keep this dream that you have, whether it's for your family, whether it's for your profession, whether it was moving into a new house, whether it was whatever, whatever those dreams that we had, all of us, right, that were put on hold and kind of had the door shut on them. Let's keep remaining positive as we move forward. And if another kind of detour comes into our path that that has us turned another way, okay, well, I'll turn at that time. But I hesitate, even myself, I mean, I'm talking to myself when I say this too with things in my life, is I hesitate to go, oh, I probably shouldn't do that because what if I'll never be able to, you know, do this? Or what if I never, what if I can, right? What if I, let me keep that hope there. Let me keep that intention there. Let me keep telling myself that story that yes, this is going to happen. And if something else comes up like this did overnight for us, that causes me to have to turn again or pivot or shift or whatever, then I'll do it at that point. But, but I don't want to kind of turn my own anxiousness or anxiety up prematurely before my emotions have been given a chance to just live in the present and live in that anticipatory hope of the future that I still want to call my own. And I still want for it to play out as we want it to play out. So myself as a mom of two, yeah. I know you have kids. Yeah. How is, how's the quote unquote homeschooling, <laughs> work from home, stay at home? Like how is that all going for you? <laughs> oh, it's just awesome. We're, we're rocking it. Like every day I am your example for how to do it. <laughs> and if you believe that, then... <laughs> Just, uh, I'm done right now. No, um, you know, we're just living. We, we are here. We, are, we have ballet class, at, you know, a couple, three times a day downstairs in our living room. We've got all, all kinds of things. My, my oldest is actually a college freshman, so she's even got that kind of stuff going on right now. I'll be honest. Thankfully, I actually, um, here's a side note. I homeschooled my girls for a number of years, um, for oh, many years. Oh, interesting. Yeah, in fact, my oldest didn't even go to go into a school until she was in sixth grade. And then my younger two, I, I homeschooled as well. So honestly, that is a part of my heart that is near and dear to me. So it's honestly made me, uh, it's just given me a nice lighthearted, I'm with you sister in this um, <laughs> chuckle when I see all these stories about don't uh, or ignore me if you hear me talking of having a parent teacher conference or I've had to send, you know, so and so home, whatever. It just makes me laugh. So thankfully mine are, are not needing too much hands-on right now. But let's just say when everybody's home, everybody thinks everybody's available. And I'm like, listen, if the door sh- <laughs> if the door is shut or if I put my hand up, right? Not now. Not now. Don't come asking me to get your stuff from downstairs and bring it to you or, you know, so anyway, we're, we're, we're living, um, we're living, we're making memories and we're laughing through it and we're failing forward. And, you know, it's just, we're all going to have this part of our, of our history of family life and of, of what we're creating for ourselves. And I'm like, you know, let's have a memory of something that, that we can still laugh about. Um, I saw this the other day. It was no one's ever going to ask, what do you do all day to a stay at home mom or work from home mom? And I was like, that whole stigma 
across the world is now getting shifted and what, what kind of a blessing. <laughs> right, right. Where can people find you? Yeah. Um, find more information? Well, my website is, um, it's just my name, jenniferzucconi.com. And Instagram, Facebook, I'm both of those at Gen Z Nutrition. So J-E-N-Z Nutrition. That's where awesome. I'm Awesome. Thank you so much for sitting down and sharing your knowledge with us. It was a pleasure. So happy to be here. So happy to even continue learning from you and, and all that you teach as well. So oh, awesome. it was Thank great. <laughs> That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be 1% better every single day. And second, all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you wanna share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here.